Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
I've gotten so spoiled, I, I have a hard time remembering back to the life where I didn't know this kind of peace existed. Amen. That's right. The older I get, the more I, I, I appreciate that part of it. Yes. And there is something special, you know, God's got everywhere, and you can make contact with Him everywhere you are, but there is something special about when people come together just for that reason. That's right. I mean, like-minded people come together just to love on their Savior, and change the whole room just changes. That's right. We're gonna we're gonna take up the <coughs> weekly tithe and offering, but then I'm gonna have Beth hit that thing again so we can enjoy some more of this. I'm yeah. gonna get in here and do this and get out of the way because I ah feels really good. <laughs> Nathan wants to come help me, young man. Will you please? Go ahead and bless it there. Lord Jesus, we just come to you today, Lord God, thanking you for another day. Lord Jesus, we know we're not guaranteed tomorrow, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you for a free world Jeez. gathering, Lord God. Not only a free world, Father, but a free country, Lord yes. God. And Lord Jesus, I ask that you take these tithes and offerings to the good of your kingdom and use them Jeez. for what you will, Lord God. In the mighty name of Jesus, yes, we, pray. we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You can stand up. All no rules. Just don't run nobody over. <laughs> darkness. 
somebody in your life that you know just needs a touch, needs a visit today. Yes. I think something would be wrong if we just kept all this peace and love we're feeling in here bottled up. So whoever that person is in your life, people, situation or situations, let's ask God to visit them right now. Lord, I ask you, Father, right now, God, Lord, this Lord, peace that we're feeling in God. here, this confidence that we have that thank you are Jesus. working, even if we can't see it, even if it don't look yes. like it, God, yes. but we know thank you, you are. Lord, we ask you today to visit somebody else with Touch that, Father. Lord, Lord, whoever it is in your Touch people, who, whatever the names are that they're lifting up to you right now, we ask you to visit them today, Lord. We ask you to make yourself Thank known you. to them. Show yourself mighty you, in their lives, God. Lord, Thank and if their now, life is chaotic, Thank let them now. feel this peace that we feel in here today, Lord. We ask you to do it for your glory. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. All right, you can be seated. You can stand it. Ah. Woo. Ain't no wonder I look forward to this all week after Wednesday. I'm really enjoying those informal uh, Bible studies over Lori's too. Those are really cool. Uh, this Wednesday it'll be at, at, at it'll be at six again, six o'clock again, unless. Uh, Unless you hear different. Blue jeans, t-shirts. Bring your Bible. And yes. pen and a notebook. <laughs> Even Nathan's got a paper Bible now. We're in there. Amen. They take the internet down, he's still good to go. There you go. Yeah. Um, 
so good. You know, when you're, when you're the preacher, you ain't used to anybody really approaching you. Especially, you know, when you're off in your own little world. I thought Jesus had me. Then I opened my eyes and realized he did. Amen. Your arms Amen. And granddaughter. Amen. Amen. Bless him, Lord. Whatever it is that you, you ain't supposed to admit that you think stuff's too hard for God. Are we? we ain't supposed to admit that some things just seem like we kind of, when we talk about it, we say, "Man, that sure be awesome if you did." But, but. tell you today that whatever that thing is it seems so hard and whatever that list of impossible things is it would have to happen before that awesome thing would happen he can do it if you keep asking him to chances are pretty good he will Exodus chapter 8 Verse 1, Nathan. <laughs> We're only going to read a few verses today. I'm going to use a format I, I rarely use. When I first started preaching back in the 90s, before the internet, I like saying that. <laughs> The, the, the most common method of preaching was to read one verse from the Old Testament and one or two from the New and then close Bibles and, and then give your opinion for about 45 minutes. And after a while of that, I got to realizing why so many people didn't know where in the Bible it was what they believed, but they knew they believed it because they heard the preacher say it. And I made a decision to try to teach people in such a way that they would know why they believed it because they could point out the book, the chapter, the verse. Yes. So it's very rare that I do the style I'm going to do today, but here we are. Exodus chapter 8, verse number 1. The Lord spoke unto Mazes. <laughs> and we're off to a good start. Let's see more. The Lord spake. Unto Moses, oh, I see what I did there. Go unto Pharaoh and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go that they might serve me. And if thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs. The river will bring forth frogs abundantly, and they'll go up and come into your house. They'll get in your bedroom and, yep, in your bed. They're not just going to get in the house of the servants. They're going to get in the house of the middle class. They're going to get in the ovens and even on your dishes. Frogs are going to come up on you. They're going to crawl on the people and on all your servants. 
the Lord spake unto Moses, say unto Aaron, stretch forth your hand with your rod over the streams, rivers, ponds, and cause frogs to come up upon the land of Egypt. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up, covered the land of Egypt. That's a mouthful. And the magicians did the same thing with their enchantments, their witchcraft, their spells, and they brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord, ask God, if you'll take the frogs away from me and my people, and I'll let the people go so they can go sacrifice unto the Lord. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me. That's King James, for that's cool, dude. <laughs> When shall I pray for you and for your servants and for your people to destroy the frogs from you and your houses that they may remain in the river only? And we're going to hear what seems on the surface to be one of the dumbest answers you'll read in the whole Bible. <laughs> Pharaoh said, tomorrow. Guarantee his wife wasn't standing nowhere near him when he gave that answer. What do you mean tomorrow? The thing's in my oven. <laughs> And Moses said, okay, it's your call. You'll know there is none like unto the Lord our God. Jimmy, would you pray for us today, brother? Well, Father God, we just want to come to you now and thank, thank you for, again for this opportunity to come into your house, Lord. Father God, we know this, this structure is used for other purposes throughout the week, Lord, mighty God, but we know what its intended yes, purpose is. When you, when you gather thank us you, together Lord. here, thank Lord, you, Lord mighty God. Father, we just thank you for thank your you, word, Jesus. Lord, and we just we just ask you, Lord, to anoint Arliss's tongue and his mouth, yes, Lord, as, him, as he brings thank the you, message Lord. that you have for us today, Lord, that we'll just engrave it upon our thank hearts, you, Father God. We thank you, Lord, for each and every one that's here today, Lord yes, God. We just him, ask Jesus. you to, to touch them, Lord, in a special way that only you can, Lord, mighty God, and we just give you the praise and the glory for it all, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to give you titles probably been used 900 times since the turn of the century alone. I first preached this, uh, this thought and this title back in the mid-90s. Lately, over the last few weeks, I've been thinking about it again because I've seen so many make this decision. Now, I want to talk to you today about one more night with frogs. One more night. Just one more frogs. Now, I can remember when I first started going to church and I'd be sitting in the sanctuary and I remember that even though I was there because I realized I needed something more in life than what the world had to offer and I'd had just about everything it could offer me by then. Uh, I can still remember sitting in a pew dodging the words of my first pastor, Pastor Wendell Maynard of Lewis Park. And even though there were several other people sitting in the church with me, close to 200, I think, back then. 30 years later, there's about 500 there now, I think. Uh, there was something about the words of that man, though, that made me feel deep down inside of me that, that the stuff he said was just for me. And, and I want to say before I get started, Dave, I feel bad for pastors that got to call their worship leaders and say, hey, can you uh, sing some songs about this? I'm going to preach on that this Sunday. I don't have that problem. 
Quite contrary, our worship leaders here, no matter who it is, will get up and sing a song about it, and one of them will try to preach it before I get up to the pulpit. I'll tell you what his name is, but his initials are Jimmy. <laughs> My pastor had the habit of going out in the congregation when he preached, and I can remember how I would dread when he would do that, because I just knew that when he was going to go through there, when he would go by me, he would look right past my eyes and into my heart, and he would be reading me just exactly the way that I was. It seemed to me and my wife Kitty that before we came to each service, and I've told most of y'all this before, that Pastor Maynard had had somebody follow us around all week taking notes. Because by the time we got to church on Sunday morning or Sunday night, uh, Pastor Maynard had had his message all fired up and ready to go, and it was just about us. And I can remember sitting there during the services, and though I had not felt too uncomfortable during the worship service, uh, as a matter of fact, by that time, I had actually started to like the way that they worshiped Jesus there. By the time we would get to the point of the service where I knew we were only a song or two away from the preaching of the Word, I started to feel a little uncomfortable. Start to get a little uneasy. And I found my mind going back over the past week about all the things that I'd, I'd done, trying to remember them all and praying, Lord, just if you don't let him preach, if you just don't have him preach about that this week, I won't do it no more, I promise. Mm. Matter of fact, my wife and I, we would uh, leave those services uh, mad, angry, swearing we'd never go back again, and we'd be back the next week. Because we realized we'd made contact with that we'd found a human being that actually did hear from God. Right. And we realized, what were we looking for anyway? This man had the power and the authority that came with the Word of God. It reminds me when you read about Jesus one time and he was teaching. And when he got done, everybody says, who in the world is this? We've never heard anybody teach with such authority. Everybody else had always taught the Word of God and did it like a book report. And they, they would talk about a God they had read of and heard about. But there was something different about Pastor Mayer in Love's Park. He was talking about a God that he knew personally and knew Him. Hmm. And that's exactly why no matter how mad we would get at the preacher, no matter how sure we felt that he was preaching, he was talking about us, that's why we kept coming back. I'd been in other churches and and heard other kinds of, of preaching and things, but never had I sat under preaching that left no doubt in my mind that the source the preacher would, had was God. I heard sermons and outlines, but there never was a book report given that ever did me any good. I'd been to them services. I prayed the prayer yeah. on the back yeah. of the card and hoped to yes. God I would be different. Only to walk away and know nothing had changed. Yeah. And I needed something to change. I can remember sitting there while he was preaching. Man, this preacher would get bold, Pastor Maynard would. He was always very straight and forward, and it seemed like that every word he spoke, it was like a hammer. And he kept driving this nail right into my soul and pointing at me, saying, you are the one this message is for today. There was no way that guy could be hitting that nail so fully on the head if he had not heard from God. Now, I love to read the Word of God. I love to put my thoughts together with what God has given me. I love to use notes like I am today, and I love to try to present it in a way that you can understand and take home and apply in your life and see change. 
But there ain't nothing like when the Holy Ghost to get a hold of a preacher and you see the preacher's very expression change while they're preaching and God begins to make words come out of their mouth that they never heard before, that they never thought of before, and they started talking about things that wasn't even in the sermon. And I'm saying that God says at that time, I'm proud of you, preacher. I'm proud you took the time to study. I'm proud you took the time to pray. But if you don't mind today, I think I'll take over a little while because my people need to hear from me. Worst thing that can happen to a congregation or a church is to have a preacher who won't be open to the Spirit, who won't stray from their notes, who's afraid to say what God wants them to say. And listen, if somebody wanted the easy stuff that don't do them any good, they would have stayed home and watched uh, television preaching. Mm -hmm. But when my pastor would get done with his message... I knew he'd be calling for people to come to the front and pray. He never forced nobody. Never went back and drugged nobody. He never looked right at anybody. I came up on our pastor the new that if he just let God be God, yes. he wouldn't have to drag nobody to the altar. I grew up under a pastor that never got mad at somebody for not responding because he knew if he just kept praying for him, if he just kept missing meals for him, that sooner or later God that had come down and put skin on and died for them was going to reach out and go through that hard heart and get to the soft heart in the middle because he's God we're just tools in his hand Hmm. but it would get close to the end and I knew he'd be calling for somebody to pray I knew that if that preacher got back to where I was at that the power of the word that he just preached it would be too much and I would respond and I walked out of the church house a few times successful at avoiding making a response that I knew deep down I really wanted to give. But when I walked out, I didn't feel defiant. I didn't feel good about that decision. I didn't walk out of there feeling like I had won another battle with the preacher. Rather, I walked out of there knowing that I just put off something that I knew I needed desperately. I had avoided getting right with God like I knew I should. I had avoided bearing my soul to God like I knew I should. And I walked out of there wishing that I had been the one to go to the altar, that I had been the one to respond to God and not care what anybody thought. And as much as I didn't do any of that, I did want out of there saying I will repent one day I will get things right one day I walked out of there saying I will not be lost one day I will be saved one day I will respond the way God wants me to but I did it saying not today tomorrow everybody say tomorrow tomorrow the setting of our scripture this morning Land of Egypt, the Bible says the people of Egypt had held the children of God slaves 430 years. It was Joseph who had brought his family there, all his brothers and sisters and his dad, and they had dwelt in Goshen. 
and to be sustained in a time of famine. And the Bible says Joseph died and there arose another Pharaoh over the land who didn't remember any of the things that Joseph did and he made the people of God into slaves. So the Bible says that the place that used to be a place of sustenance had turned into a place of bondage. I want to tell somebody today that there are times in our life where we have great needs and we don't know where to turn and we can turn to the things of the world and that's okay if we're careful but we have to make sure we understand that some of the very things we turn to for sustenance if we don't keep our mind about us if we don't research the help they're trying to give us and find out what's at the bottom of it the very thing that was for sustenance to start with can become a thing of bondage. The Bible says that place of sustenance turned into a place of bondage. A place they wanted to get out from. So a call went out from God to a man named Moses. Moses was the man God chose to lead the people out of the land of Egypt into the land that God had promised to Abraham several generations before. How long have you been waiting? Moses didn't go to preacher's college, but before God called him, there was a time of preparation. It wasn't under the teaching of a degree theologian that Moses learned. He didn't learn about the marketing schemes and the public speaking. He didn't learn how to win friends and influence people or even how to dress for success. But when God called Moses, uh, he called him to the backside of the desert and he said, I'm going to teach you, boy. I'm going to teach you some things man can't teach you. And because I'm going to teach you, when you stand before Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh won't be able to resist the power of the word you come in. The Bible says Moses spent the next 40 years following sheep, learning dependence and obedience to God. He didn't speak well. He didn't have the royal robes of splendor. He didn't have the fanciest sandals of that day. But when this man came out of the wilderness, he had the power of God. And when he stepped before Pharaoh on that day, he had the authority of God. It's still supposed to be that way today. The Apostle Paul said, our gospel came not in word only, but came in power, came in assurance, and came in the Holy Ghost. We should never settle for hearing about something God can do in the Bible from the preacher and then the preacher ending the service and not giving anybody a chance to receive what it is he said God could do. If I tell you God can heal, I'm going to give you a chance to be prayed for. If I tell you God can convert you, I'm going to give you a chance to be converted. If it's deliverance, I'm going to give you a chance to be delivered. And not because it's anything about me, but because he's that kind of God. Yes, he is. Thank you, Jesus. He's a God of power. And he's a God of authority. Moses' message wasn't fancy. He didn't learn about an introduction, three points, and a conclusion. He didn't know anything about an icebreaker to get the crowd on your side. But God said, when you go down there to Pharaoh, Moses, you tell him God sent you, and you tell him one thing. Moses' message was only four words long, and it was simple. Let my people go. Yes. 
How many of us know would have gone to hear a preacher preach a message like that? Not many, I venture. But the message I'm preaching today is the same as it was when Moses preached it. God is saying to the world and to the devil and to whatever it is you're fighting in your life right now, let my people go. And I'm here today to tell you, it ain't clicking your heels three times and saying there's no place like home. There's no place like home. I am telling you that all we got to do is respond to God when we feel God and say, God, I'm not making you no promises. God, I'm not making a deal with you. I'm not bringing you nothing you don't already have. But God, I got some stuff going on today. And I need some help, Lord. And I want my house to be free. Yes, yes, hallelujah. Beth gets up and sings about my house being free. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. That's the message Moses preached when he stood before Pharaoh that day. He said, God, send me. And I got one message. God said, you better let my people go. I want to point out to you that those people were still slaves. They were still in bondage. They were still in a mess. And yet, while they were in that mess, God didn't look at them and say, when you get that mess fixed, You'll be my people. God didn't look at them and say, when you get yourself out of that bondage, you'll be my people. God looked at them and said, you're already my people. You just don't know it yet. I love you already, and I want to set you free. I'm here today to tell you, God, don't look down at whatever your situation is. He, He isn't looking on in amazement. You haven't done anything God ain't seen a million times before. God's not looking down at you and saying, man, if you just straighten that out, I'd love you. God's looking down and saying, I love you, and I want to help you straighten that out. God isn't looking down and saying, if you get good, you can get me. God's looking down and saying, if you'll get me, you can get good. He's looking at you right like you are right now, and He's not saying, fix this, 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 and this. All He's saying is, just open up and let me help. That's easy. Now Pharaoh's response was, no, I'm not letting them people go. I don't know God. I don't know anything about God. I don't even know if he's real. That's just like the modern society we live in today. Who cares what God thinks? Who cares about the thou shalt nots? That's the way the world is today. It's saying we don't care what God says. We don't recognize God. We don't know who God is. But it's time again for the church of the living God to stand up and say, hey, I can't help the representations you had back there. And I'm sorry for whatever it is they didn't do right. And I'm sorry for what they did that was wrong. But we ain't them. We ain't no better than them. But all we want to do is introduce you to Him. You may never come here and find a program that just amazes you and reaches out and grab a hold of you. But you will come here and walk into a worship service and it can be any one of three people in it or four and you're going to walk in and feel something. It's going to be that God that we're trying to introduce people to. Thank you, Jesus. And that's all it is. Our job is to make an introduction. 
And once that introduction happens, then we just come along and say, hey, you're not on your own. If you need something, holler. Uh, that's all it is. There ain't no, here's your list of rules. Been to the altar today, and I'll take them home and study them. And if you got any questions, you backslid. But here they are. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Huh? Ain't nobody gonna meet you on your way back from the altar and say, "Well, you better get rid of this now." Well, you better start doing that now. I promise you, if that happens, we'll have a brand new altar service. Cause mm -hmm. that'll be one time I do escort somebody to the altar, and it won't be you. Uh -huh. Everybody say, Amen. 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 Okay, that's fair warning. Mm. So God said, Pharaoh said, No. So God responded with judgment. There will always be judgment for a society, a government, or an individual that fails to obey what God would ask them to do. If I choose to sin, judgment will come. Nobody here today has to live for God. Nobody has to make a decision you're going to follow Him. Or if you are following Him, that you're going to walk even closer than ever. Nobody has to. And I'll treat you just the same. And so, with everybody else, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. <laughs> Pretty tricky, sneaky, right? But when we make that decision now, or we make it our choice not to follow God. We need to understand there really is a place called heaven that awaits those who know God and do their best. You hear that? Not who does it perfect. Not who does it all without error. Not who doesn't fall down five million times. When we stand before God, it ain't going to matter how many times we fell down. All that's going to matter is did we get up to one single yeah. time Hallelujah. more than we yeah. fell down. Thank you, Jesus. You hear me? That's the God of the Bible. That's the Jesus that hung on the cross and looked down at the men, gave them for his clothes and said, Father, forgive them. That's the God we serve. Pharaoh didn't listen to God. Judgment came. The first plague that came upon the whole land of Egypt was a plague of blood. Moses said, if you don't let God's people go tomorrow, all the water will turn to blood. Pharaoh said, no. The next day, the water was blood. For seven days, the Bible says, the water was blood. The message was given. It hadn't changed. Doesn't matter how much pressure is put on a God-sent preacher. He's not going to change his message because it's God's message, not his. So Moses goes back in front of the man that had refused his message the first time, and Moses didn't change the message. He gets back in front of Pharaoh and says, God still wants you to know, let my people go. And even though Pharaoh had seen proof, we're getting ready to get in the driveway now. <laughs> Even though Pharaoh had seen proof of this God, he still refuses to listen. So Moses says, all right, tomorrow there's going to be frogs going to come upon the land. If you wonder why frog, do a study on the Pharaoh's gods. It's pretty fascinating. Stacy's probably got a book on it. Mm -hmm. I can see Pharaoh after Moses leaves, and he starts to get a little uneasy, though. Pharaoh told him, nah, whatever, dude. I'm not letting nobody go. I don't believe you. But I can see Pharaoh, Moses leaves. 
Pharaoh now nobody's around starts to get a little uneasy. He was proud and snooty the first time Moses came, but now he's not so confident. Now he knows the fellow's got something behind him. That when he talks, he ain't just giving a book report about a God he's read about. He's giving the real word of God from a God he knows and knows him. That's a dangerous combination. Mm -hmm. Because now, Pharaoh's been worked over by the Lord a little bit. And now he's a little less proud. When God works you over, that's the way it happens. And I know you lose some of your confidence in things other than God. And you start to realize maybe the nut behind the pulpit might actually be on to something. Now, I don't argue with folks. I don't get all upset. They say, oh, I don't believe that. I ain't following that. And I say, well, that's all right. I'm not going to fight with you. I'm your brother anyway. You got no vote. I love you no matter what you think about me. And then I say, I'll just give you over to the Lord. Because I know when God is done with somebody, they're going to be a whole lot easier to work with. When he gets done, they'll be ready to do whatever he wants. So Pharaoh lays down to go to sleep that night. Uh, Mrs. Uh, Pharaoh said, Honey, think that preacher's heard from God? You really think there's going to be frogs? And I can see old Pharaoh does, just like all our husbands, and lay there in the dark and makes his voice put a little more bass in it than normal. Sounds a little more manly than normal, exuding confidence, and says, uh, well, it's going to be all right. I'm Pharaoh. I got this. But I can also see him, like so many of us are husbands sometimes, laying there looking at the ceiling long after Mrs. Pharaoh is sleeping, and Pharaoh's unable to go to sleep because the words of the preacher ringing in his ears. I can see him getting up the next morning after a restless night. Gets out of bed to make his way to the coffee pot. Crunch! Ribbit! Crunch! Ribbit! Frogs everywhere. And I can hear Mrs. Farrell screaming, pulling them sheets up all the way to her neck until she realizes the frogs are under the sheets in the bed. And then it's all over, friend. It's time to call the preacher. Because when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And this is a good time for the man to say, Amen. That's right. So there's frogs everywhere. Bible says they're all over the land of Egypt. In the ovens, in the pools, in the beds, the bathrooms, everywhere. All because somebody didn't listen to what God told them to do. So Pharaoh calls for the preacher. Moses comes back. Pharaoh says, Moses, I want you to get rid of the frogs. Moses says, glory over me. And that's King James for, I'll be happy to get rid of these things. I've been praying and fasting and just waiting for you to get tired of living like that. When do you want me to ask God to get rid of them? And the Bible says the most powerful man in the country, the most powerful man in his house, looks at Moses and says, Tomorrow. I guarantee Mrs. Farrell was not in the throne room. <laughs> he didn't want to get rid of the frogs that bad. If he did want to get rid of them, he would have said, get rid of these things right now 
please. Seemed like Pharaoh was ready. But you know what? He wasn't ready enough. Even though he saw the need and he was uncomfortable with the judgment and he knew he needed to make the change, he didn't want to do it today. He wanted to do it tomorrow. He decided, I want one more night with these frogs. Ah. Say, preacher, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. And what does that mean to me? Here we go. For almost 30 years, I've been preaching this Word of God. And for 30 years, I've watched people visibly react to God as He would prod them to come closer to Him. Not join the church. Not become a monthly missions partner and sow a seed and get a Corvette. But just to open up and come closer to God. For 30 years, I've watched hundreds upon hundreds. That is no exaggeration. Men, women, and young people know God was reaching for them, saying it's time to come closer. And for 30 years, I've watched people say, yes, I know I need to come closer to God. I know I need to learn about this God and how to give more of them in my family, in my life, in my house. And I know I want this plague in my house to stop, but not today. Tomorrow. 30 years I've seen God extend mercy to thousands of people. I'm not exaggerating to you. To end the plagues in their life. Not make life a fairy tale. Don't misunderstand me. God will not make your life a fairy tale. Mm -mm. This doesn't make everything perfect, but it makes everything better. Yeah. And it ensures that we never walk through any area of our life without knowing that God is right there. Just like uh, Beth saying today, that even when I can't see you, I know yeah. you're working because He is, and you will find out, He is a way maker. He is a miracle That's worker. Right. He is a promise Amen. keeper. Our God, that's who He is. 30 years I've seen God extend mercy and I've watched hundreds say not today, tomorrow. I want to spend one more night with frogs. When God speaks to us and tells us there's something we need to do. We, you hear me? This ain't no condemnation message, man. When God speaks to us and tells us there's things we need to do. All God says, hey, come here. You know how you do that baby starts walking? Esteban's going to be driving soon. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I remember he come up on Facebook last week, and all he was was a little head with arms and legs, and I was yeah. carrying him in this room. It ain't yeah. that long yeah. ago. Now he's amen and a preacher and coming over to see ducks. Pretty cool. But when they start walking, the parent and then, you know, the church family can't help themselves, and they see a baby walking, they say, Come here. And you know what the baby does pretty soon? Sooner or later, that baby will mock mama. And that baby will look at mama and say, Mir, Mir. All this is, all this is, anytime you feel something in music, 
That lady's gifted. Yes. Duh. Yes. These people are gifted. Duh. But there's a lot of gifted people that can sing until you say, man, they're good. But you never say, oh, that feels good. Woo. Mm. Help us. There's a lot of gifted people that can do all that. But when they do it, you don't all of a sudden feel like you're in your own little place. And almighty oh, God really is that right now. And it feels like he's hugging you. Whenever that happens, that's just God saying, come here. Don't stay another night out there. You don't have to stay with none of that stuff. Come here. It's a common thought. One day I'm going to do it. I've seen people continue to stay in that place. And every time the Spirit would speak to them, they would say, not today, tomorrow, tomorrow. And accepting, instead of accepting the gift of a brand new life, look, not a brand new magically converted, never going to get a flat tire and a black top in your slides kind of life. Can't blame everything on God, can we? Stacy said you shouldn't have left the house in slide. I know. Better listen to your wife, Jimmy. She's right. Right. You know what will happen if you have to change your tire and slides? She ain't bringing your other shoes. She's going to watch you change it in slides. I know that's right. So it ain't about God making your life perfect. And all of a sudden, all the trouble's gone. But you know what it is about? Whatever it is you felt in here today, and I know you did. Whatever that peace is that you tapped in your day, it's all about being able to tap into that home and in the living room. You say, well, yeah, we can do that anyway. Really? Mm. Well, yeah, we can, but not if we're safe. Not today. Tomorrow. <clears throat> but you can have a life when you do just say, okay, God will come a little closer. Everybody getting this? Ain't saying you're signing up for the church. Ain't no such thing. We don't have a church role. God's got a role, and it's up to you to get your name on it. Amen. I can't put it on it, and I can't erase it off of it. Don't have right. no desire to right. either one. Amen. But I do have a desire to let you meet him so well that you want to put your own name on there. That's what I like to try to see happen. But this life, when you come closer to God, it'll have more hope, more peace, more power. Amen. Man, I'm talking about power. I'm talking about praying, and it ain't just when you get done praying, you just feel better because I pray. No, I'm talking about praying, and when you get done, the whole room feels yes. better. I'm talking about knowing something left from where you are and went to where you needed it to go. And that's what Bible says faith is anyway. Yeah. Bible don't say faith is believing. That's a really cool bumper sticker, but there ain't no Bible for that. You should believe. That's great. That's fine and dandy. But the Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 1, faith is the evidence. That's it. Evidence of things you can't see. That's it. So when you're praying over something, and you get done praying, and all of a sudden you feel different in here and around here, guess what that is? That's evidence that you wasn't just speaking words in the sky hoping God would hear them somewhere. Uh -huh. That's evidence that God is listening right in the middle of your living room. <laughs> it breaks my heart today to tell you that almost every one of those people back down the road somewhere that said, not today, tomorrow, I've done some of their funerals. 
See, I guess you do really just get to an age where all you do is tell the truth anymore. <laughs> I'm glad. I wish I'd have just told it plain and unpainted all my life. But the truth of the matter is I've been called upon to perform funerals for people that the last time I'd ever talked to them, they hung the phone up on me and said, I don't want to undo that God. And then sit in the funeral and listen to all their relatives talk about how they're in a better place. Hear me. This ain't condemnation. There is a heaven and there is a hell. Mm -hmm. And we decide. That's what's awesome. We decide. And we can decide today how close we want to get. I've heard people reject God and their life get worse until there wasn't anything in their life but frogs. Back with frogs again. What frogs? What in the world are you talking about? I know good and well when I just said you'll never get away from some frogs in your life that some things have come to your mind today about some of those frogs. Something in our life that we've been struggling with and can't get away from has popped in our head. I'm talking about that thing, that problem, or that situation that you can never seem to resolve that when it happens, there's turmoil, and then when you get past it, you find peace again. So you don't want to go back and address it because it'll just open up a box of chaos again. But in the back of your mind, you dread the idea that it's going to come back again. And then sometimes your peace is really long. Sometimes it's really short. But you always wind up back at that same chaos again. And I'm telling you today, there really is a miracle worker that can get in the middle of that chaos. He doesn't say, I don't want nothing to do with that stuff. It's not holy. God says, I want that stuff because it ain't holy. Because once I get in the middle of it, it'll become holy. God doesn't look at something dirty and say, it's all your fault. It's all dirty. I'm not touching that. It's unclean. God says, I don't care whose fault. It is. All I'm waiting for is you to invite me in it because I will get my hands dirty. And when God gets his hands dirty in the middle of a mess that I make, when he gets done with it, I believe that goes in line with a scripture that says God can take the ashes of burnt dreams and give you beauty. God can take the ashes of all the potential we had in our life. And we blew it somewhere. And God can take that stuff that we think is burnt up right in front of our eyes. And he can pile all that ash up. Ash that we don't want to touch. We don't want to go back there. It's a thing of shame. It's a thing of self-condemnation. It humiliates me. God says, it's all right. You just invite me over here. God says, I know why you don't want to get in the middle of this. It's awful. But if you don't invite me in, God just says, I'll take all these ashes, all this stuff you've burnt up, and I'll remake it. And when I get done with it, it'll be beautiful. Amen. These two right here, I wish I had some goals like they got at their age. I didn't know what a goal was when I was their age. They already know the careers they want. They know where they're going to go to school. I just talked to them today and said, hey, what are you guys uh, going to school still? And then, there they went. They got done. I walked away going, I got to get some goals. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. 
And that's beautiful. Now for me, I would look back down on my life, at 18 years old, I was going to prison for the first time. And here's some getting to 18, one is, and one's almost there, and they've already got these goals lined up. Where are they going to go to school? What career they want to have? They've already got it all lined out, and that is beautiful. One of the most awesome things about God is it's a level playing field. That means these young people, is there better words for that? If there are, let me know, will you? I mean, what is young people anyway? If these two, at their age, invite God in the middle of all that, yes. it would be beautiful to watch. Because one day there's some man's going to be walking into the doctor's office, some hope one of these brains hurt. <laughs> walking into a doctor's office somewhere, and it's going to be one of these two. Not behind the desk, checking me in. They're back in the office wearing the white thing. Going to help me. That would be beautiful. But God's got a level playing field. Because while God will walk with them in the middle of it while they're young and make it beautiful, God will take somebody like me who burnt up everything good in their life. And I don't have no pride in telling you that. I burnt it all up, man. I did. My daddy didn't make me do it. I didn't make bad decisions because daddy didn't spend no you know, money on me or, or buy me the stretch Armstrong. Well, I keep going back to him. I'm going to find me one. Because you know, uh, daddy didn't do all that. I made bad decisions and I burnt it all up. But this God, who walk in the middle of theirs when they invite him right up the bat and make it beautiful, will take something like me, something like me. Say, man, you burnt up everything. I gave you good parents. You burnt up your relationship with them. I gave you potential to have a good career. You burnt that up. I put all these good things in your life, and all you did was chew them up and spit them out. But that same God is still saved. But if you'll let me in, and then it'll take something like me, power up all that, and just start to work. Start to breathe and start to get closer to me. I'll let him go wherever he wants to go. And then somehow, he can take an old beaten down preacher. And I know this is hard to believe. Make something beautiful out of his life. Put him in a home every morning where he wakes up in the morning. His wife comes down the hallway. And he knows that he's in the house with the love of his life. We'll give him a life where he can sit in the sanctuary and see his great grandfather in the presence of that same God who took my ashes <clears throat> and make something beautiful out of it. Will you stand with me? That's about to come. Bail me out. So again, I say this first. This is not a magic spell. This is not an enchantment I hand you. And then all of a sudden, when you go home, everything is different. It's not what it is. It's a simple thing. This is not saying, I'm going to be here every time the church doors open. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. It ain't none of the ominous. Because yeah. those are ominous. 
All it is, I don't want one more night with frogs, man. Because just like that real man, Moses was a real man, stood in front of another real man thousands of years ago and just said, hey, if you let my people go, God will take all them frogs. I'm standing here today, and I'm just saying, hey, if you just invite God in wherever you need him, that's all. If you'll just invite him in, that won't instantly make you saved. That won't instantly make everything perfect. But you know what it will do? It'll instantly make those ashes start to look a whole lot better. Because you can't do nothing with them ashes. You know what we do with them? We sweep them away. Because we don't want to be reminded of stuff we burnt up. But all of a sudden, when you invite God in a little closer, those ashes start to look a whole lot better. Because now I know it ain't over till God says it's over. And if you're here today and you ain't got no ashes, <laughs> I don't want to use the word hating, so... I'm a little jealous. But if you want to invite somebody to walk with you too, that might help you from burning stuff up and getting some ashes, today's the day. Today's the day where you can say, here I am, God. I ain't making no promises. All I'm saying is, I got some stuff. And I want you in it. I ain't supposed to be married to her. So I'm just going to ask you, if you want to come and just let God know, God, here I am, and just tell him you already know all about it, but I'm going to invite you in in any way. You can come and tell him. If you got some ashes, you can come tell him about those too.
brother talk with her. Whatever it is he's praying to you today, God asks you to get right in the middle of it, Father.
you to get in the middle of something today. I need you right in the middle of it, Lord. And I can't do nothing to earn it, Lord, but I don't have to. So anywhere you need to go today, God, anywhere you need to go, Lord, go. I need you to, Father. God, you're welcome in my house. You're welcome, Lord. Go anywhere you want to go, anywhere you need to go. And do anything you need to do today, God. like you are today. Now just get ready though. Because all of a sudden you're going to start to get some instruction in some areas. And that makes sense because you just asked Almighty God to get up in the middle of it. Amen. So all of a sudden you're going to get some ideas about some things. Listen to them. When things start to change just make sure you give credit where credit's due. Thank you, God, for getting in the middle of it. Lord, I thank you, Father, for your word today. Lord, my whole life is proof, Father, you'll get in the middle of messes. Self-made. Life brought, you'll get in the middle of them just saying. And I thank you, Father, today that you have gone everywhere you've been asked to. I thank you today, Father, that everybody that's asked you to get a little closer is a little closer today. Lord, I ask you today, Father, to sit. Keep your hand upon your people, Lord. Give them an amazing week this week, God. Walk with us. Talk with us. Lead us and guide us. And I thank you, Father, there's going to be some missing pile of ashes somewhere. (laughs) I thank you, Lord, there's going to be some areas of our lives we're going to look around all of a sudden we ain't going to feel as bad about it as we did before. And I thank you, Lord, there's going to be some life in some areas. There ain't been in a while, God. Thank you for it. I ask you today, Lord, bless your people all week long. Bless them real good. Let them come into contact with somebody. It's got a life full of frogs, God. Let them introduce them to you. I ask you, Lord, do all this for your glory. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Right after service today, we're going out to uh, our house. We have a baptism today. It's going to be an awesome thing. 
I'm a little jealous. The water is jacuzzi warm. I don't, I'm not sure how that worked out. I'll have to do better next time. So if you want to come out to the house right after church, you're more than welcome. God bless every one of you. You're dismissed today in Jesus' name.